0: Welcome to I Podius, a 12 episode podcast in which I, John Hodgman, of the Judge John Hodgman, watch I Claudius, the famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome for maybe the fifth time, and he, Elliot, Kalen,
1: I, Elliotus Charlesus Kalenus, watches it for the very first
0: time. And then we do this we talk about it. Hi, Elliot. Hi, John. How are you? I'm pretty good. No one in my family was poisoned. So, That's
1: wonderful. As far as I know. That's great, because as we know from I, Claudius, poisoning is a regular family event for many Roman aristocratic families. It's totally a
0: topic for casual beachside conversation. <laughs> <laughs> as we see here in this episode, the second episode, I mean, I guess we were talking, like, so there was episode I... A touch of murder, but that was really I Alpha. And then yes. and then they separated that was an extra long episode, so they they also separated it at least once and made a second episode out of it, which is episode I beta, which was family affairs, right? Isn't that what we decided? Yes.
1: yes. Uh but this is if you're watching it like say I am on Amazon Prime, right. not a plug. Right. Just the most Ooh. easy way for me to get it. Yeah, then this is episode two, waiting in the wings, or episode II, episode as II, say. waiting the, uh, w- in the wings. <laughs> when when Elizabethus Nussbaumus would record would uh, review this show for uh for the New Yorker Ancient Rome edition, she would call it episode II.
0: <laughs> and she would be chiseling it into marble.
1: <laughs> yes, very much so. All capital letters, no spaces sure. between the words or the sentences, and V's for use. V's That's why- for use. The uh, I've I've heard from a number of people now who, when they were kids, thought that the show was called I Clavdivs <coughs> because the logo is written with Roman V's instead of U's. So if you don't know, it says I Clavdivs.
0: Many, many commenters on my Instagram posts relating to this project have pointed out that it should be we should be spelling it with V's. But you know what? Yes. There, there. It's not their podcast. It's not no. It's not them. It never will be. It's not them <laughs> <laughs> listeners. It's us, <laughs> Elliot and John.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, so go. Should we? Should we uh, recap what's happened up till this point?
0: Yeah. Before we move into that into this episode, let's let's do a new segment called Ancient History. Elliot Kellen, what do you remember from the last episode? No cheatsies. So what
1: I remember from the last episode, a lot and a lot happened in the last episode. but I'm just going to try to do it from memory. Okay. So it's the reign of Emperor Augustus of Rome, uh, his uh, third wife, I think. Livia, maybe second one. Well, I can't remember. It's he's married to Livia. She's super evil. That's why Livia is almost an anagram for evil, but not or villain, but it's not quite either one. It's of actually those an things. anagram for a live. <laughs> um, I guess so. Uh, it's not even quite an anagram of that. No, not but, even that. so. I guess this is our first contest, the iPodius Livia anagram contest. <laughs> yeah, but that was that's not uh, that was right her in, name.
0: That was her name. That's not a
1: that's not a contrivance of the plot. That was the
0: no, that no, was the actual true. name of that historical figure.
1: Yes. Uh, so and well the, here's the thing I'll say about names real quick. Something that uh, in my reading up on the series that's been made clear to me is that this series kind of gives characters names that they might not have been called by in real life that in Rome if you were aristocratic you had three names and so like Claudius was like Tiberius Claudius something Drusus, or, I can't remember name. Nero Drusus.
0: Germanicus
1: Nero. They all had Claudius. extra names and like if you wanted to get in good with somebody you changed part of your name to reflect them or if you were adopted by another family or if you were a military conqueror you might add like africanus to your name if you had a victory in africa so like oh. the names got very complicated and so robert graves the author of the original book he just kind of assigned for the most part one name to per- to each person so even if so uh, as i was reading something where they're saying that all these people are calling claudius claudius as a kid which would be like calling your son by his last name oh, uh, right. so but otherwise, they'd be calling him Tiberius, and there's already a character named Tiberius. So, anyway, just to simplify so you're saying things,
0: that you're saying that you would you would show honor to a a friend or colleague by ch- by adding their name to yours.
1: I so think like so. I would change
0: my name from John Kellogg Hodgman to John Kel- Kalanus Hodgman.
1: Maybe, yeah, I think, or like if you were, there was a lot of. Names like marriages Let's as well. We Let's one, draw are fluid this things. bond tighter. <laughs> okay. Family. What's what's stronger than family? What's
0: stronger than family? Your son I shall st- marry my daughter.
1: Uh, I mean I mean he would like that. He likes your daughter. How old age th- differences. I know she was I mean his, she babysat it for him um, many a time when you he lived here in Brooklyn. And as we all know, it would be crazy to fall in love with your babysitter unless she was running for president of the United States <sighs> and you were a hilarious joke writer. Uh, that's A, that's a, that's a, a timeless a refer-
0: reference that everyone will remember
1: forever <laughs> to the hit miniseries "I Long Shottiest. Uh So, in Wait last a minute, episode, how old, Liv- how
0: old is your how old is your eldest son?
1: He is five and a half. All right, and my and my daughter is seventeen. It's a
0: perfect match. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Okay, the the bond is sealed. They will jump the broom together.
0: All right, ancient history. Uh, emperor Augustus is, is married to Livia, who's the grand who's the grandmother of this kid who's not yet born but who
1: becomes emperor and his name is Claudius, right? And he's telling the story from the, as an old man, he's writing the history of his family. And Livia is obsessed with having her son Tiberius become emperor of Rome. Uh, she does not want the Roman Republic to come back. She wants—she knows the emperor is where it's—the empire is where it's at. And so she is essentially poisoning her way through Augustus's other favorites in order to get Tiberius uh, closer and closer to the throne. And a big way to, that she does that is that she poisons oh. the husband of Augustus' uh, daughter— and then forces her son to divorce his wife, who he loves, and marry Augustus's daughter. And they don't get along.
0: This is all plot. This is all plot. I just wanted to say, what do you remember, Elliot? What That's what I remember you? for the
1: last episode. That's, oh, that's oh, more, that's see. better than realize. me because you know what I remember. What do you remember?
0: A snake on a bunch of tiles.
1: <laughs> okay, so that's what happens in the first 15
0: seconds.
1: Look, we're not going to be able to recap
0: the plot. This is a very <laughs> plot-heavy show. You need to be listening to all 12 episodes. You need to be watching along to enjoy it. not So, so, but uh, let's move on. Let's move on quick as boiled asparagus. Or as quick as boiled asparagus, I'll have you out.
1: Out! Here we go. Let's go to iPlodius. Yeah, so Jonas Hajimanus. What happened in this most recent episode Waiting in the Wings we, episode I,
0: I. we open excitingly as we do often with older Claudius now that he is emperor wearing his very thick pancake makeup in the inner palace chamber <laughs> that is uh, has cardboard for walls still writing his family history mm-hmm. he's looking for an old letter he's trying to find an old letter guess where he finds it Elliot
1: <laughs> it wouldn't happen to be in the sleeve of his, <laughs> of his cloak in the be? sleeve
0: of his cloak another example of life without pockets in Rome <laughs>
1: What is it? The answer, I'm afraid, is no. Yes, that was it. Ah. My dear Tiberius, the answer, I'm afraid. No, this is the one. (laughs) Last
0: time, we had to scroll. We had previous scroll stashing places included underneath the epaulette and in the belt but now it's in the sleeve (laughs) claudius takes it out reads it out i'm the answer i'm afraid is no flashback to tiberius who as just recounted was exiled to rhodes he's sitting next to a window with a fake tree in it uh he was exiled for hitting his wife julia uh julia is the daughter of augustus emperor of rome so he's reading this letter from livia and livia is saying the answer i'm afraid is no you can't come back to rome augustus hates you and you're going to remain in exile forever and she's also explaining that gaius Tiberius's stepson and Emperor Augustus's grandson and favored heir, who we met as one of the pair of creepy twins in the last episode, is mm-hmm. dead. <laughs> and guess what? His death is sudden and unexplained. Mm.
1: Now, this is something that, uh, just in my reading, a lot of—so, uh, something to remember, I mentioned this last time, but I'll go into a slightly more detail now, is that I, Claudius, the story that Robert Graves is telling in which Joseph Pullman uh, adapted into—or, sorry, Jack Pullman. Jack Pullman. Adapted, Jack Pullman, adapted into this uh, show— is based on basically all the bad things that were said about the first few emperors of Rome by a few historians Tacitus, Suetonius, Cassius Dio, and a poet uh, Juvenal, who yeah. was known for his ribald satires. And that Robert hey, Graves hey, hey, Elliot, do you know what your Latin name is? What is that? Showoffius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Historicus I mean,
0: Showoffius.
1: I just I did minimal research. Uh, that Robert Graves kind of made the creative decision to. Just kind of accept whatever was the worst thing people said about each of these emperors, who a lot of times it was possibly rumors that were just spread by their political opponents who had access to grind, especially as we get into some of the stranger and uh, sexier stories later on. Uh, but And then Robert Graves made up some additional ones just to make these the worst people in the world and to set up a world where Claudius is the one relatively noble person and to show how decadent and bad empires are. So... Yes, it's a
0: classic story where everyone thinks this guy's a dim-witted fool, but
1: he's actually the, the canniest survivor and a decent mm-hmm. person,
0: unlike everyone else.
1: Yes, and so there's uh, a lot of stuff in ancient Rome where people die suddenly because medicine was not so good. We think medicine's bad now. It's actually pretty good. But back then, they really didn't know anything about the human body. And as we'll see later in the episode, omens and augurs and portents were the science of the times. So it's not that unlikely that someone could have just died from unknown causes suddenly, but any time that pretty much happens in the story, it's attributed to Livia poisoning exactly. It is
0: implicated that Livia is, is behind it as she's trying to manipulate Tiberius back to Rome and into the throne. Speaking of omens and augurs, Tiberius turns to the other person in his little cardboard room in Rhodes <laughs> Thrasylus the humorous astrologer. He has mm-hmm. a fake beard he says the, st- the stars say everything's going to go great for Tiberius. Tiberius obviously hates him. Is there anything to drink? My mouth is quite dry. <clears throat> it's such a long climb
1: up this hill. It'll be a lot shorter on the way down if you don't find something to my liking in that chart of yours. Why do they all hate me so? But he keeps
0: them <laughs> around anyway.
1: <laughs> well, that's because so there and he is a he is a foreigner. He is not a Roman. Mm. You know, he is probably a probably Greek. Probably Greek. Uh astrology was something that came to Rome through Greece from the what we would call the I guess ancient Near East or the what they what they would think of as the Orient, but we would think of as like I don't know what the Middle East, maybe. And the or the the whole Mediterranean area, uh that Rome was a part of, but was of the western part of. Anyway, so astrology became this thing that uh was relied on by it seems like almost everybody but was also kind of dumped on by people who thought they were too smart and too cool for it but it but it really plays a big part in like things when you read roman decision making and stuff and like in thornton wilder's novel ides of march which is a much less even less historically accurate story than this about julius caesar a lot is made about the Uh portents and things and military decisions being put off because of omens and things like that uh so the uh so, so he someone like tiberius probably would have had like his own personal astrologer who has it in his best interest to give good horoscopes to tiberius who is a mean man <laughs> and yeah. so it's so you have this weird uh so what it really comes down to is like this astrology gloss on the on the relationship between a re- wealthy man and a toady who's just like what do you need me to tell you boss uh yeah, good news is coming good news oh it's very promising excellency very promising indeed You've been saying that for years. Perhaps if you find some disasters there, my life might take a turn for the better. But it has excellency. The planets are in a most favorable conjunction. Thrasilus is so shameless in his good news uh, shilling. And Tiberius is so openly disdainful. And it's like, I love their relationship. They remind me of the wine tester and Claudius from the last episode.
0: Yeah. There are two great comedy double acts in this episode. One is Thrasilus and Tiberius. Thrasylus being, as you say, this this cloying Toady who's constantly saying, Good news is coming, good news and the letters (laughs) keep saying, like, you have to stay there in Rhodes and rot and and Tiberius gets angry at him and threatens to throw him down the hill. That's (laughs) hilarious. But he keeps him around because Tiberius needs a friend. He's lonely. (laughs) Like, that's yeah. the tragedy of Tiberius is he's a total jerk, but he really, really wants to be liked, and he really, like, needs to have Thrasillus around. The other great double act, as we'll see soon, is Antonia and Julia. Julia, who is a libertine daughter of Augustus, who's uh, hugging and kissing everyone in Rome, as we'll soon find out. Is that a- And Antonia, who's Claudius' mom, who's a very strict and proper Roman woman, and it's always Julia going like, well, I kissed him on the lips, and Antonia going, you didn't.
1: <laughs> it's really funny, but not as funny as Thrasilus no. and Tiberius. And, and Thrasilus of Mendes, uh, I'll just mention, was a real person. He was uh, Tiberius' real uh, astrologer, and he was, a, he was actually a Greek from Egypt. He was an Egyptian of Greek extraction. I'm looking it up now. And he was a grammarian. So... Basically the same way that like scientists in the medieval era had to be like, oh, this is an interesting experiment. I got to square this with the Bible, I guess. He was uh, an astrologer who was also... I guess more interested in grammar and dictionaries and mm-hmm.
0: things like that. It's a lot of detail there. It's a, uh, it's a, a Eliotus, Historicus, Joafius, In the Weedsius. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, so Thucydides reveals that Gaius' death was very <laughs> mysterious, and the body was burned before an autopsy could be ordered. Tiberius grunt laughs at this, that he won't shed any tears for the death of this old creepy twin. He asks the astrologer for more news from Rome. The astrologer checks his, his special plot move along exposition chart, and explains... <laughs> Augustus is going to appoint Gaius's brother Lucius to command the armies in Spain, setting up to be emperor, and that Julia, Tiberius' estranged wife, is hugging and kissing everyone. But Augustus doesn't know. He just says this right out. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cut, dateline, Julia's beach house in Antium, <laughs> garden set, fake vines. Claudius's mother Antonia is sewing something like a proper Roman woman while Julia is stuffing her face with figs and, which da- is, which and is day true. drinking.
1: It, it, in, in real life, uh, Livia made her family's clothing. That was considered part of the proper role for a Roman matron, no matter how rich you were, was to make your family's clothing.
0: But, but Julia's having nothing of it. She's just...
1: No, no, she thinks it's dumb.
0: She's fig-eating and day-drinking and day-dreaming and, 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 and begging Antonia to stay there because... Rome is like a sewer in someone. Which I am... I, I really felt that line very keenly as I happened to be
1: here in New York City in August at the moment, and I'm like, yeah, oh, wow. it
0: smells bad. I was at,
1: I was in New York a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Did it always smell this bad? Did I just... Am I just not used to it anymore?" And my son, who we left New York when he was three, he doesn't really remember New York that well. Yeah. He was like, "I hate it here. It smells terrible." It's <laughs> like you're right. Yeah. It is. My future son-in-law has a head on his shoulders. Let me just say that, mm-hmm, and a nose on his face. And so, what are Julie and Antonio talking about? They're
0: talking about how you can't get good slaves anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, and Julia uh, uh, offhandedly mentions that she always hires the handsomest slaves, and that's why she ends up with not very good ones.
0: Yeah, and then she does all the work herself because she ha- she's her head is turned by handsome men over and over and over and over again. And then Julia's daughter Agrippina runs in; she's all full of complaints. She's a you know these are like twelve year olds, right? She runs in from the off the off screen beach, complaining <laughs> that Germanicus Claudius's soon to be hunky older brother threw sand on her. Germanicus is this nice young man and remember from last time there are only two fruits are born from the Claudian tree you got your weird sulky oddballs like (laughs) like Tiberius and Claudius who who, while temperamentally different they're they're just oddballs in their own way Mm -hmm. and then your fair-haired kind but stupid hunks like Drusus Claudius's father and Germanicus all these hunks of course are destined to die usually at the (laughs) hands of their own mother slash grandmother yeah So Germanicus apologizes for throwing sand. Claudius is off screen. He's mentioned now for the first time. Germanicus reports that Claudius is on the beach looking for shells, being watched by slaves. What a childhood. (laughs) Loves it. It was a great time. And Julia says that Germanicus is going to marry Agrippina. And Antonia wonders who will marry Claudius and says it's so hard to love him because of his foot and his stammer. And his own mother Antonia says, it's not easy to live with a child who is so stupid. (laughs)
1: It's, this is, and I mean, is it, and it's later that, I mean, I'll skip ahead, it's later when Livia says that Claudius should have been exposed as a child. Yeah. Which was the, by that point, they didn't do that anymore, but the ancient method of, if you had a child with an affliction, you just left them on a hillside until they died. Right.
0: People being mean to Claudius in this episode is one of the, uh, I'll say guilty pleasure, because cruelty is not fun, but just like, you know you know, Claudius is going to be okay, and you also know that Claudius is smart and clever, clever claw claw, as Herod Agrippa will tell him, call him much later on in the series. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. But people are just so openly contemptuous of him that it's hard not to stifle. It's hard to stifle a laugh.
1: Yes. It definitely feels like this is what a sulky, resentful old man is writing about his family, that they were constantly nonstop talking about how bad he was and how much they didn't like him. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah.
0: And this is also where they have this conversation about Julia going to Antonia. You ever think Livia's just poisoning everyone all the time? Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, Antonio your refuses.
1: <laughs> you know how everyone thinks that she killed... Isn't it? She goes, isn't it strange that your husband died after Livia's personal physician went to go see him? And Antonia's like, I won't even imagine it. I won't even think about it. And it's to say... But it, Ju- Julia just brings it up real casual. But that's just how Julia does, you know? Yeah, Julia. Julia doesn't care. She's Julia. She just does what she wants. Ju- Julia is totally the honey badger
0: of this episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: she, did
0: not, she did not give an F. And she's living, she's living her best life because here comes Lucy as her son... He is now the grown surviving member of the creepy twins who ended the last episode. He is the one. Lucius is this handsome young man who's being sent off to Spain by Augustus. He's being groomed to become emperor. And, uh, and he's a total hunk. And he's, and he's, uh, he's uh, coming to say goodbye to his mother. And he's accompanied by his flirty little friend, Plautius, who is very <laughs> obviously making eyes and probably doing it with Julia. And indeed, Julia and Plautius sneak away to snog in the shade of the cardboard set elsewhere. hmm and, uh, and finally, we meet uh, Posthumus, the new creepy
1: British child, now with the creepiest name of all, Posthumus. <laughs> and now, so he was named that. Uh, they, now, and it's another name where they wouldn't normally have called him Posthumus to his face, but if you were born, what I read was that if you were born after your father died, then then posthumous was given to you as part of your name. Oh, I see. So it literally is, it does mean posthumous. That he was, his father, I guess, died, you know, after conception, obviously, but before birth. And so
0: He is the younger brother of Lucius and now the deceased Gaius. Daughter, I mean, son of Julia, but he's got to be about 12 years old, right? Wouldn't you say that's his age-ish here?
1: Yeah, Lucius is around 19 or 18. I guess he was, Lucius... Spoiler alert: He's going to die. He died at like eighteen. So yeah, so uh, so Posthumus is about twelve, I think.
0: Yeah. Right. So Posthumus, uh, Agrippina, Germanicus, uh, soon to meet Herod Agrippa, the uh, and Claudius. This is the gang of of, of pals. This is the
1: littlest rascalist the, of, the, of, the, of of ancient Rome. Yeah. It's a wolf cub, <laughs> <laughs> mother! It drops from his claws. Let me have him! Let me have him! <laughs> leave it be. It fell to Claudius, leave it be.
0: They're all they're all they're all in their in their preteens right now, but they will all grow through the series and remain friends and, and certain and I think all friends throughout most of the series. They are they are they are the friends from friends in this uh if Rome were New York City in the nineteen nineties, these would be the friends.
1: Yeah, I, and 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 the fountain they would be clowning around would be the Trevi fountain. Yeah, they'll be there for them. <laughs> they'll be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so no one, one told, told you, you your to- grandma was poisoning your family. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> right, exactly. So
0: you want to pay attention to these folks. Because posthumous has a creepy name, but he's a he's a really
1: he's a really good dude. I especially like him when he grows up. So keep an eye on him. And I and as a viewer who I read the book a while ago and it was at first hard for me to keep track of all these kids. So I was like, all right, I got to work harder at keeping track of these kids because I know they're going to become real characters. This is is a BBC production. They're not going to hire actors that they don't need. Uh, So these Mm -hmm. are going to be characters later on.
0: Right, exactly so. And they do. And they become important characters later on. But guess what? All of a sudden, another old man, fake beard expositionist (laughs) arrives out of nowhere. Deus ex machina, Gnaeus Domitius.
1: The cliched—I can't tell whether he's blind or just squinty fortune teller. Uh, who t- I think he said, well, it's yeah, and his eyes so, sometimes go off in different directions and sometimes don't. It's it's right. hard to tell. But he he literally is introduced by Julia saying, "Oh, look who's here!" Right. and relaying his name, and then he just is around. Yeah, for when would, they need him, he
0: was on his way to to whatever it was for and just dropped by to keep the story moving and make a prophecy. And now the kids and he's just hanging around talking about how he can't believe that Gaius died because he took the auspices before Gaius died. And you've never seen a used liver so clear. <laughs> but then the, <laughs> the kids. Again, run that, was a, that
1: was a because that was a because a big a big one of the things was you'd, you'd get like a like a fowl liver, you know, or uh-huh. a, a sheep liver, I guess. And right. you just kind of look at it how it looked and you're like, yeah, OK, this tells the future. The qualities of this liver. The liver how it looks good,
0: right? He cut open a U to ch- to 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 predict Gaius's future, and he thought it was going to look good, but then, <laughs> then Gaius died mysteriously. Forget about Gaius. Why are we even talking about this this Gaius anymore? Right? It's well, his, his
1: shadow still hangs over it. Lucius is the Lucius one. Lucius is going to be emperor now. He's now gonna, and uh, Lucius is played by an actor named Simon McCorkindale. and I just oh. mentioned that because I love the name McCorkindale.
0: No, but I've seen him in stuff. Oh, no, he was in lots of stuff. He
1: was in Jaws 3D. Uh, <laughs> he was in, he was in like he would be on like on. Falcon Crest. He was yeah. he did a lot of at the time when you were growing up. He did a lot of one off appearances on television shows in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you probably best know him best as Professor Jonathan Chase in Manimal. Oh, that's what it is. He's the star of Manimal. That's that's probably where you remember him best.
0: Wow, yeah, look at that Manimal right there. Man, he was a handsome animal, too. Oh, there's one yeah. photo of him with a mustache here that... I'm going to make that a t-shirt. All right, <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> and here's the thing. Lucius would have done much better if he would have been able to change into animals at will. Maybe that would have saved him, That's but true. who but, knows.
0: But speaking of ma- magical animals, all the kids now run back from the beach, looking up into the set of the studio rafters, pretending that it's the sky. They're pretending <laughs> to look at eagles... <laughs> Who are, two eagles who are fighting over a wolf cub. We get our first look at little Claudius, Derek Jacobi homunculus, who mm-hmm.
1: catches a hairy soccer ball in his toga. Played here, played here by the by the actor Ashley Knight.
0: Ashley Knight, yeah. who would later go on to be the last build in a movie called War for Atlantis. What was it called? <laughs> Warlords of Atlantis. Warlords of Atlantis. I was hoping you had looked that up. That and looks- also
1: play in in a and a, in a. In that when Beauty and the Beast the musical was at Liverpool, was at in Liverpool he played Cogsworth the clock yeah well in two thousand
0: nine but here's the thing i i i don't want to cut i don't want to diminish this person's life's work but no no yeah young playing young Derek Jacobi role of a lifetime he then he does a great job he's a yes great, he's a great little Claudius
1: may I keep the cup please mother please ma'am. He is, I was, the quality of the, and I shouldn't be surprised, there are a lot of great child, child actors, the quality of the, the child actors in this show is really great, and he especially manages to do a very difficult role because he has to be almost constantly dealing with his affliction, you know? Right. And so he did, He just does a really good he job. He does a great
0: nervous tick, he does a great limp, he does a great stammer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all the kids scream, and the camera cuts away, we see him catch a hairy soccer ball on his toga, <laughs> But it's not a hairy soccer ball. That's just a special effect, because cut back to it, and all of a sudden it's a actu- it's an actual wolf cub, or maybe a German shepherd puppy. I don't know. But in the reality of the world, it's a wolf cub. And, and and old man exposition two says, Whoa, I interpret this sign. The wolf cub is Rome. It is uh it is a wretched, despairing creature, but Claudius will protect and save Rome.
1: And everyone just laughs and laughs and laughs. You mean this idiot? Who is it who said, which, is, who is it, what's her name again, who says, Claudius is protector of Rome. I hope I shall be dead by then.
0: Lavilla. Lavilla <laughs> La is not not a great person, as you'll later learn. She gets sent to her room. Claudius says to his mother, I'd like to keep this wolf cub. And I am sure that that wolf cub was killed within an hour.
1: But yeah. this oh, is. I will, say, uh, uh, I will mention, Lavilla is not a great person in this, but Lavilla is a great pizzeria in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Maybe I will go over there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's... A, if, so we fin- they, they, if we the, finish this podcast before 10 p.m. tonight, maybe I will go over that. Uh, we, we might not. So, yeah, so the Wolf Club it, Wolf Club is, again, one of these omens, and it's an, one of many omens that we've seen so far that predicts that Claudius will be emperor someday, that right. nobody believes.
0: And also, we know from Wikipedia that George R.R. Martin was inspired by George Baker's performance as Tiberius to a certain degree for his characterization of Stannis Baratheon, and clearly he was also inspired by this scene of the, the wolf... Taking a wolf as a pet as an omen, uh, because that is the opening scene or one of the major opening scenes of the novel and series uh, Game of Thrones.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, forget Antium; that's the past. Yeah, and wait, but unless what's what's Julia doing in a closet?
0: Julia's in the closet with uh, with uh, uh, having having a hug and a kiss.
1: Yeah, and so uh, what what's that going to lead to? What happens next?
0: I'm trying to tell you. We're moving from Antium. That's the past. Now we're back in Rome, the big city, in Livia's cardboard bedroom in the palace. And guess who's, got, guess who's there with Livia? Uh, flirty Plautius in her clutches. And she makes Plautius admit that he's hugging and kissing with Julia. Or as she put it,
1: You're plowing his mother's furrow with such ferocious skill and energy.
0: <laughs> I've done a little bit of acting in my time, and I don't think I could ever memorize that line. It's
1: just so many, so many syllables. So no, great. no, you got to be Sean Phillips to be able to do that. That's that's you have to be as amazing as she is. Oh, by to be able to say something like that.
0: By by the way, by the way, a little behind the cardboard uh, scenes here, I looked it up. That that name S I A N with a mm-hmm. circumflex above the A, uh, the I rather, it is Welsh and is pronounced Shan.
1: Shan, oh, Shan all this Phillips. time. So now we know. Now we know. Okay, Shan. Well, then I'm sorry. I apologize, You have to be Shan Phillips to be able to deliver that line with the. Both uh, threat and also clear joy that she gets in catching someone doing something they shouldn't, and right. knowing she has them dead to rights. Like she's just so good in it.
0: Oh, because she because she is a noble person who loves uh, punishing wrongdoers. Correct. Uh, is that why she's glad to know that Plautius is <laughs> is uh, plowing uh, Julius' furrow?
1: Not exactly. More because it gives her leverage over him. To uh, spring a trap on Julia, finally, after all this time, a trap that may bring Tiberius back home, perhaps. What's she going to do? Well, she asks Plaudius
0: to keep a log of all of <laughs> Julia's lovers, and bring and bring that bring that log to her, and then she releases him. And this actor, uh, Darian Angadi, who's very very, I think he's great in this role, and a very very handsome person, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he uh, he's. Um, very very sad story. He was the son of the painter and novelist Patricia Angadi and Ayana Deva Angadi, an Indian writer. He, but he was born in Stoke Newington. He was a very famous child treble uh, a soprano, singing uh, Benjamin Britten's Noah's Flood and um, recording a lot of music. But when his voice broke, he became an actor. But he, didn't, he was in I, Claudius, and like every other British actor of the time, he was in Blake 7. But... Uh, the only other information I have about him is that he committed suicide in 1981 when he was 32 years old. So it's very, very sad. Well, that's
1: that's very sad. That's terrible.
0: Because he was great. He was gra- he was just like very, very subtle eye work where he was trying to read what Livia wanted from him and basically letting her know he does. Even though he calls Lucius his best friend, he will he will mess over anybody to get ahead. And indeed, well, let's not
1: get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we'll see.
0: Smash uh, cut. To Caesar Augustus, a.k.a. Brian Blessed, a.k.a. Boss Nass from The Phantom Menace. Yes, that's true. You know that, right? Brian Blessed did the voice of Boss Nass in The Phantom Menace?
1: Voice, yes, yeah. Of course.
0: Now Boss Nass is in the outer cardboard chamber of the palace. Boss Brian has had a bit of the pancake age makeup put on him now because he's older and he's sad. His hair is a little grayer. His hair is a little grayer and he's sad. He's doing that wonderful dead-eyed Brian Blessed sad look because... Gaius is dead. Remember that guy, the dead twin I said we wouldn't talk about. Well, we got to talk about him again, because uh, Augustus has got a bust of his dead grandson, and he's just walking around with it, moonily looking at it and feeling sad because they didn't have photographs then; they just had they just had marble busts.
1: Yeah, you either have a bust or a marble mosaic, and you can't carry a marble mosaic around with you. You can only carry a bust around. So wallets back then were enormous because you couldn't have just photographs of your family. You had to have busts of each individual member. And again, you didn't have pockets, so I assume it had to be like a kind of chest you'd strap to your back, yeah. like a peddler of some kind.
0: How am I going to get this beautiful bust of my wife under my epaulette, you know? <laughs>
1: You're like people are like oh yeah uh, congratulations on the baby do you have any pictures uh, they're still being chiseled <laughs> I'll, get them, I'll get them to you when they're ready so then
0: Caesar is told by some walk on named Praxis that the that the knights of Rome are here these are these these bachelors these young men who refuse to get married and they're mad about the laws that they have to get married and he Augustus makes them all go out into the fake garden and yell at them saying you got to get married you got to we've got to propagate the Roman people and little Claudius. Is hiding by the fountain, and Boston ass brings him out as an example of the perfect Roman child, and the fine product of a proper Roman union. And it's a bit of low comedy when even Augustus, first season, is like, Whoa, oh," he's like going, "This is the perfect Roman child," and he looks at poor little Claudius, is like
1: shivering, shivering, and he's stammering. like, "Whoa!"
0: He's like, "What?" <laughs> Can't, he says, "Can't you stop doing that?"
1: And this is this is a real thing uh, Augustus was worried about the population of Rome dropping so it's another reason that like divorce ha- you know was common was people it was like you got to make as many kids as you can you got to right. keep making children you got to get married if that marriage isn't producing kids you got to divorce and get a new marriage it was they wanted r- more romans romans for rome but here's the thing as within the world of this television show
0: as cruel as everyone including Claudius's own mother is to him Augustus isn't cruel to him like, True. He, he, like there's this moment where Augustus could look at this like when he's like holding Claudius up as this perfect Roman child and then realizes he is in, 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 uh, not perfect and he says can't you stop that and Claudius goes no grandfather and he goes oh never mind <laughs> and, then the, and then the bachelors laugh at Claudius and, and uh, Augustus is kind of like stop laughing and he starts yelling at them again. And it's not that he shows a lot of affection for Claudius, but over time, he's the one who is never cruel to Claudius. And over time, there is an, a, an understanding between them uh, that is worth watching as we go away. But there are a couple, just a couple of lines that I want to point out here. So then he sends the, bachel- the, the bachelors away, quick as boiled asparagus. And this is his catchphrase. <laughs> or as quick as boiled asparagus, I'll have you out. Out! And he says, go get married. And then he says... Don't think you can get rounded by getting engaged to nine-year-old girls. I know that, Dodge. <laughs> like, that's a terrible thing. That <laughs> It would be so common to get around marriage laws by marrying nine-year-old, like, oh. And he's like, now don't do that thing that everyone does. And then he says, a-, a radish may know no Greek, but I do, so... Once again, another uh, botanical, uh, great botanical catchphrase from
1: he's uh, a- He's always got vegetables on his mind. He
0: loves vegetables. That's right. And that Livia arrives and suggests that Claudius should have been exposed at birth.
1: That child should have been exposed at birth.
0: Which is what we were talking about. And Livia keeps pushing to bring Tiberius back to Rome, but Boss Nass won't accept that Julia is having hugging and kissing sessions with everyone else. They talk about arranging some marriages, including Claudius, and Livia says she'll find someone to marry Claudius, but it'll be hard because, quote, most... Po- most women marry fools, but it takes them a while to find out. Unfortunately, with Claudius, it's is plain on the nose as his face. Just pointing out that Livia is a, a, a living, breathing diss track. And we yeah, sma- she's
1: she's a she's an Oscar Wilde character at times. Yeah, she totally. And then we smash cut to panpipes, a man. <laughs> <laughs> which I, which according to IMDb Goofs, they were actually hearing the sound of a recorder, which is an instrument that was not invented till the Middle Ages. So I don't oh. know if that's true or not. But I, it, but the, the guy is on camera. He's playing some panpipes. That's right. He's playing some panpipes, and it's too dark to see which cardboard set this is.
0: But we know, we know from all the naked revelers <laughs> draped over so many sofas. It's one of Julia's
1: famous hugging and kissing parties. It's a mm-hmm. real
0: display of aging British character actor flesh. <laughs>
1: Not until not until the film of uh, Caligula will we see so much, so many acres of pale flesh exposed before us. And then here,
0: and who else is there but Claudius, mm-hmm. the Julia's lover? But he's not making love to her now. He's making a list and checking it twice. And then there's some dirty dancing in the dark. Yeah. Then, then we cut to Julia and Tony having another one of their fun conversations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real go-to for Jack Pullman to have these two just kind of like. Julia just uh, uh, scandalizing Antonia, but here, mm-hmm. but here comes little Jacoby, Claudius himself with his friend Herod Agrippa. What do you think of Herod Agrippa, the child version of Herod Agrippa in this one?
1: Oh, he's he's great. Herod Agrippa is he's the most polite, knowledgeable child in the world, uh, and the and the kid playing him has so much uh, like confidence. Yeah, I just I love the way that he and the idea of him and Claudius and young Claudius having adventures together again. I would watch that spinoff. Now, here's something that everyone should be aware of. This is young Herod Agrippa. There are five or six different Herods. So this is not the Herod who caused Mary and Joseph to flee. That was Herod the Great, this Her- Herod Agrippa's grandfather. This is not the Herod who challenged Jesus to prove himself by committing—by uh having miracles. That was Herod Antipas, who was this Herod's uncle. So this is Herod Agrippa, the uh, latest and— uh most recent in the line of famous Herods, who all have the same name. And for whatever reason, uh, Robert Graves did not decide to give him a more easily separable name, but just to call him Herod so that uh, people like me would be confused at first.
0: Yeah, for those of us who uh, did did not go as deep into the weeds of history as you, I'm just like, oh, I like this kid. His name's Herod Agrippa. (laughs) He's introduced very succinctly by Claudius as he's, he's also 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that range. Yeah. He's Claudius' friend from school. He's introduced to his mother and Julia as the grandson of the King of the Jews, which mm-hmm. is the the first Herod you mentioned. Yes, and and Herod Agrippa is is so, like such a charmer. He just goes up to Julia and he's like,
1: "Do I have the honor of addressing the former wife, the Great Agrippa?" Oh, yes, dear, you do. And she's like, <laughs> He's, and he's, he says to to uh to Antonio, he's like, "You're the daughter of Mark Antony, aren't you?" Or yeah, and he's like, she. He knows all of their genealogies backwards and right. forwards, and like he is such an Eddie Haskell little kid. Yeah, you know, a, just like, a, oh, oh, whatever you say, Julia, you're you're great. What an honor. Yeah, and his, his
0: his you really feel like this kid's maybe picking their pockets while he's saying this stuff. It's like, <laughs> thank you for receiving a mere provincial so generously. But and, the best and, part is when Julia said you know, your father, you're so well-spoken, your father must be very proud. And he goes, well, my father was executed by my grandfather when I was born. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, not as sorry as my father.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I wish that he could then point to a drummer off stage. He would just do a rim shot off that. But he, uh, so this, yeah, Herod's father, Herod Agrippa's father had been executed and Herod Agrippa was brought to Rome for his schooling since he would most likely eventually become the king of that province. Right, of Judea, I guess, right? Yeah. Although was it a I guess it was a Roman province at the time. I can't remember when. It was so this was before when uh, the the temple was sacked and the Romans laid waste to Judea. I can't remember what their exact what the exact relationship was between the principalities. But uh, he's in Rome. He's an exchange student in Rome. That's what you need to know. So, I only bring so much attention
0: to him here one because when you're watching this, this, this kid is such a luminous weirdo. And you're like, I want to see more of this kid, but don't worry, you will, because
1: you have not watched beyond this episode at this point, right, Elliot? No, I have not. Right. I'm aware of of how important this character is, because the second of the Claudius books, Claudius the God, spends a lot of time on Herod Agrippa's story, and while you're reading, it, you're like, uh, I'm here for Claudius. <laughs> uh, who is this dude who I'm suddenly supposed to care a lot about that I did not care about before? Yeah
0: do do not do not worry. This is not. The uh, I Claudius the TV show keeps I Claudius front and center, grip, and Herod Agrippa stays where he should be at a very important major uh, supporting character. Okay, and uh, and and as he grows up, and the actor who plays him as an adult is incredible. So keep an eye on him. But meanwhile, we have three, we we do three very quick scenes, all of which open with someone staring at a list and going, "Oh my God!"
1: <laughs> First list. <laughs> And it's a long list. It's yeah. It's a lot of names. It's a
0: list of the names of all of Julia's lovers. The list that Plautius, the flirty friend, has been keeping is now been submitted for Livia's approval. Scene one, Livia staring at the list. She can't believe what she's seeing. Scandals, <laughs> she says, obviously pleased. Mm-hmm. She's. She's like, but I can't show this. I cannot show this to Augustus because he will distrust my motives. Because... Uh, Augustus knows that Livia wants uh, Julia out of the way for Tiberius to come back. But meanwhile, she says she may have another little assignment for Plaudius, one not quite so pleasant, but Plaudius is obviously up for it. Smash cut. Lucius is staring at the list. He can't believe what he's seeing. (laughs) (laughs) Livia's accusing him now. Livia's accusing Lucius, who of course is Julia's son and the heir apparent to the throne, uh, of betrayal because he knew that his mother was uh, hugging and kissing all these people, but he didn't do anything about it. You acted as her pimp and her procurer. he accuses her, and now Augustus is going to be uh, totally uh, uh, heart-stricken and angry at at both of them. And Lucius, the dumb-dumb, who thinks he's acting nobly, says, Give me this chance to redeem myself. Give me the list. I will take the list to Augustus and, and try to make up for this. So that you do, and,
1: so that you do not get in trouble, and and so he can save his own. Yeah, it's, it, right. this is this is a a son selling out his own mother uh, to protect himself, but pretending he's doing it nobly. And you know what? He's acting like a real manimal in this situation. Oh no,
0: he's a real manimal. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, out of out of a mix of nobility and self service, Lucius takes the list to Augustus again. To be clear, this is a list of all of the of all of the women that Augustus's daughter excuse me this is a list of all, all the, of the men
1: maybe there's some women on there i don't maybe know maybe some
0: women as well and definitely some some slaves some yes. you know right all of the people that that uh, that uh, Augustus's daughter has been um hugging and kissing behind his behind uh, the back of her husband and all the roman royal family it's a scandalous list so we cut to outer cardboard palace chamber Augustus is staring at the list now <laughs>
1: And, the, and I should mention, this is literally just a piece of paper with a lot of names written on it. Yeah, so it's not could, like could be anything, this is the right. Yeah, it's this is not evidence. It's just yeah. like this is the most hearsayist of hearsay. It would not hold up in a in a court nowadays. Yeah, but, it's not a know.
0: screenshot of a text conversation. It's not <laughs> no. it's not stolen nudes to <laughs> the list that Plautius wrote down. But in order to test its veracity, Augustus has all of the men that he can get. Named on the list in front of him there in the outer cardboard chamber. And he walks up and down the line, giving him the best Brian Blessed dead doll eyes stare. And he says, you lady Sextus Balbus. Is it true? Have you slept with my
1: daughter? But I mean, with a name like Elias Sextus Balbus. I mean, come, yeah, come on. on, you know it. You I know mean, there's... again, that would be probably because he was the sixth in the family, but it's, it sounds like sex. So yeah. You, I mean, of course. Yeah. You, you, uh, Germanicus Lustus Duetus. Well, even has Did enough, you sleep with my daughter. Another <laughs> actual one in there is pu-
0: publicus Norbanus
1: Flaccus. <laughs> 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 well, the, uh, Jack Pullman was having some fun there with the Roman name. So he sends them all so. away. This is, this is a, this, the way the scene is shot is really great and really takes advantage of how little space they have to do these scenes because, the 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 men who have known uh, Augustus's wife in this way, Augustus's daughter in this way, their backs are to the camera, and he walks up the full line, and the camera tracks along with him, and then he walks back down the whole line, and the camera tracks along with him, and it really makes you feel like claustrophobic, and really emphasizes how many dudes are there who have uh, been intimate with his daughter, but uh, and <laughs> there's also and please go ahead, sorry. And, and, and there's and there's the great line where he says to someone, "Have you slept with my daughter?" And he goes,
0: "Not slept, Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you didn't sleep. So while well, standing up, maybe, or on, or a, on bench. a bench,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like this this to- very weak way to get, to get out of this. Uh, so this is a uh, and for Augustus in in real life, this was particularly. You know, scandalous for him because his whole thing, as with the marriage stuff we saw earlier, he was the family values emperor. He was all about stability. Hey, we're, we're a republic. I'm just kind of have my hand on the tiller right now so that we can be stable after all these civil wars we've been having. I'm about family values and stable, moral Roman families. And so for his own daughter to be famously promiscuous like this was— uh it was a real, uh, it was a flip flop yeah, on the family. Yeah, but here's a, that 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 is true. I, I trust that
0: that is true historically. It is also true yeah. in the context of this of this teleplay by Jack Pullman, but in the context uh, as well of Brian Blessed's performance, th- the sense of deep emotional betrayal. Yes, it has yeah. nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with I love my daughter and she's been lying to me,
1: and everyone's been lying to me. And everyone knew about this and I'm a fool and my own daughter has done this to me who is the last person and he's been his his heirs have been dying left and right so like he doesn't have that many family members right. to hold on to oh, you banish her banish her for life don't tell me where she's gone don't ever mention her name but let her
0: let her be all alone all alone until she dies She's not fit for human company. And he always defended Julia and he always loved
1: Julia in the context of this story, right? In the context of yes. this TV show, who
0: knows what's happened in history.
1: So- in history there's there's some there's some uh uh rumoring that perhaps Augustus was actually behind a lot of this that Julia was had fallen in with no, a question. No, I that don't want to, move to hear that, Elliot. I don't. But that's but that's all the thing is so much of what we know about ancient Roman history is based on records by people who lived many decades or centuries afterwards you. and who had access to grind. So I'll who knows? I'll send you away, Elliot. I'll send you <laughs> I'm just, away. You're going to be alone this... <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> so, oh, so he uh, he he just he sends her away, but here's another something that I don't think they mentioned in the show is that Julia's exile away from Rome also included that she was not allowed to drink wine anymore. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, no wine for her cuz she kind of loses her head a little bit. And no. I read one thing that said that if any man was going to go visit Julia, their name, height, and distinguishing physical characteristics had to be described to Augustus first. <laughs> so that I guess he would know if they were too hunky for Julia to, de- to handle. Sure.
0: Well, in the, uh, I didn't know any of that history. All I know is that he sends away all these guys and tells Lucius that he did a good job sex-narking on his own mom, and then Boss <laughs> Nass cries, and it feels for real. And he yeah. banishes Julia for life, and then one of the most chilling scenes is Julia's locked outside, uh, outside the inner cardboard chamber door, beating at it in tears, begging not to be sent away, while Emperor Augustus, boss Nass, alone inside, covers his ears and dead eyes
1: to the, uh, and dead eyes. To the whole universe he is so oh, that's distraught. a it's really that's hard. a rough scene. Yeah. It's a really harsh scene. Yeah,
0: and L- the, Livia in shadow comes to Julia, and Julia yells at her, "You want that precious son of yours to follow him when he dies, so that you can come into your own." But I have two sons, and they both come before yours. That is only true for now. Cut to the garden some days later. We're wrapping it up now. Sad Augustus has come out of his room at last. He tells Livia that he's cursed. She comforts him. She says it's a hard thing to see a child banished, isn't it? Hint, hint, hint. She wants Tiberius back, but Augustus says never. And then we're back in Rhodes. Tiberius is... Now it's Tiberius taking the horoscope. Thrasilus runs in saying, what are you doing? There are letters from Rome. And uh, Tiberius is like, I'm taking your horoscope. If if good news comes, uh, if good if no good news comes, I Tiberius will throw you Thracillas off a cliff. <laughs> and right now, this horoscope does not look good for you.
1: It's, this is such it's such a great scene. Thracillas is like, but I read it. It's it's good news. It's good news. I can tell the it says it's going to be good news. He's like, well, well, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, it's like, but th- no, if something about uh and I forget exactly what the line is. But the thing about like. Uh, a man's destiny, it, like a uh, and Tiberius is like, yeah, I wrote your destiny this morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I'm going to kill you. I've decided to throw you off a cliff. Yeah,
0: out of sheer frustration and malice, because he hasn't been called back to Rome, he's going to throw Thrasillus off a cliff. In fact, he brings in a guy to do that very thing. But then the letter arrives at the last second, of an imperial dispatch from Rome. the 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 uh, The soldier who's bringing the dispatch explains. That Lucius has died mysteriously.
1: Dead. Dead. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> All Rome is drowned in grief (laughs) Well of course now It's only natural (laughs) (laughs) And Tiberius and Thrasilus laugh and laugh and laugh And what I like about this is that they're bo- kind of both laughing for different reasons, but they're sharing this laugh. And the soldier is yeah. so horrified that they're laughing. At- He's like, "How can you laugh? A young man has died!" And they're like, "No, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Tell us more about it. Well, it was a mysterious illness. It was very sudden. Ha ha ha! Like they cannot stop laughing at this thing. I, reg- just, I regret fantastic.
0: that I, I regret that you uh, to, that I must correct you. I must correct the historical record, my friend Eliotus. Uh oh. Because you have, you have un- unfortunately uh, forgotten one of the greatest jokes of this whole series, which is where the, the Roman soldier who's brought the tragic news that Lucius has died ca- and that Tiberius is to come back to Rome, which is what he wants... And Thrasillus is laughing because he's going to live. And Tiberius is laughing because who expected this? Oh, and right, and oh, they're oh, laughing oh. together. They're like, aha. He's like, how can, you, how can you be so sad? Rome is drenched in sorrow or whatever. And they're like, you're right, you're right, you're right. How, how did he die? That's right, and the, that's right. And the guard says, a boating accident.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they first tell him it. That's right. Because that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of all the things, a boating accident. It might as well be like a gardening escapade yeah cut back to outer cardboard chamber tiberius returns to rome caesar is there now he's got two busts to dead stare at gaius (laughs) and lucius he makes a point that rome wants julia back but he'll never bring her back he's forgotten her and then he says to tiberius anyway we'll talk later my favorite line and uh the the, what do you what do you call the epilogue uh claudius and herod are cavorting in the fake garden but Posthumus is sad he's mourning his dead brother Scary-eyed Herod points out that Posthumus has been made co-heir with Tiberius of the, of the emperor's throne. He's, he and Tiberius are now co-heirs to the throne, which is, uh, uh, Posthumus points out, is a rather unstable position, especially since heirs to the throne tend to die. And, he, and he's like, what happened? Where, where is my mother? What happened to my brothers? He's terrified. Man, it's really affecting. And then we just pan over to old pancake Claudius now in the garden in the same space. This is old Claudius staring at the empty space where Posthumus, a child once realized he was marked for death. End credits. Uh, oh, chills. My favorite. One of my favorite episodes. What'd you think, Elliot?
1: Oh, no. I thought it was really good. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to get into detail. Uh, the details of Gaius and Lucius's deaths are not quite accurate. Uh, uh. But, it, but I've already, cor- I've been a buzzkill enough. But no, it's a great, uh, this episode is, especially after the first ...double episode, which you have so many characters and events to keep track of, even though I really like it. This one is so much more straightforward, and all the stuff with Julia and showing Livia... Like, Plaudius is already kind of... He's a man on the make. He's a young guy who wants to rise in the world. But how Livia recognizes that ambition and twists it to her end and corrupts this guy even more than he's already been corrupted by his experience with Julia... Yeah. It's just like it's also chilling and seeing the kids for the first time again. I love to see those Jim Henson's Ancient Rome babies running <laughs> around and like just having escapades and putting on shows and things like that, you know.
0: We'll have more iPodius after this short break for maximum fun. iPodius, of course, is brought to you by our dear dear Max Fun members. And also by Acorn TV. That's right. We wanted to work with Acorn TV because, among other things, they're a great place to watch iClaudius, which seems somewhat relevant to the show. We wanted to work with them. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I feel like magic might be real because I was thinking it would be great if Acorn wanted to support the show, and then all of a sudden we're getting emails from Acorn, so I have mental powers. Let me guess, Elliot Kalem, using my mental powers, you have, you have recently... You have recently checked out some Acorn TV shows. Is that not so?
1: I did. That's amazing. Your powers are becoming stronger by the moment. I finally checked out Foils War, the show that you have been begging me to try yeah. out, and I thought it was really great. And uh, also, I was happy to see that they have one of my mother's favorite shows, Doc Martin.
0: That's about a guy who wears boots.
1: Yep. he wears, it's, about, it's the, it's the story Crocker. of the man who invented the boot. It's about a, a grumpy doctor who finds himself stuck in a small seaside town. Uh, And I watched a show about a guy who owns a castle and a documentary show about how crappy it is to own a castle, and I was very amused by it. What was the name of the castle show? Keeping the Castle. It's about how hard it is to keep a castle.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Elliot Kalin, this is the United States of America. We don't have castles here. Sure, a few crumbling follies made by Gilded Age billionaires, but no hereditary castles. Wait a minute. Are you saying that these shows take place in another country?
1: I'm saying that all of these shows every single one of them on acorn from mysteries and thrillers to comedy and drama they are from britain australia ireland and beyond this is your best most concrete pipeline to the best of english language foreign television and you know what no, I don't. You're going to be like, oh, these TV shows are from another country. I don't even know who's in them. Uh, incorrect, sir. They feature some of TV's biggest stars, Sandra Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Academy Award winner Olivia Colman. There's a classic series like i Claudius, and there are new series being added all the time. And if you're listening to a podcast dedicated to I, Claudius, you're going to love this service.
0: Yeah. Acorn TV, it's an, it's an app on your TV or your phone that connects you to the best of British, Australian, Irish, all English language foreign dramas, mysteries, thrillers that have ever been produced, it's the greatest. And here's how you can get it right now with a special offer from us the iPodians. Visit www.acorntv or download the Acorn TV app on your favorite device and use code PODIUS PODIUS for an extended 30-day free trial. That's acorn.tv code podius acorn tv. World class TV from Britain and beyond.
1: Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Dr. Game Show is my favorite podcast and the only podcast my parents want me to listen to because I'm 12, but even old people love this show. Basically, you call in, play games, and have fun. If you win a game, a baby will send you a magnet in the mail. I have so many magnets and put them all over my locker and pretty much everyone at school is jealous because they are very cool custom magnets and it also means that I'm really good at winning games. And they even let me practice my record live on the air. <laughs> Listening to this show is like going to a real doctor, but pretty much kinda better. Doctor Game Show Rock. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. There's always that
0: moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not
1: thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye. Interviews with creators you love and creators
0: you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to iPodius, a show where I, John Hodgman, and I, Ellie Kalin, talk about the 1970s British miniseries, I, Claudius. Let's get back into it. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, I hadn't thought about it until we were talking about it just now, but the book-ending of this episode with opening more or less with Tiberius on, in exile in Rhodes with Thrasillus taking his horoscope and their weird relationship and then paying that off at the at the at later bookend where their roles are reversed and and it's a Tiberius taking the horoscope and everything that was set up in that original scene in terms of both their um his frustration with Thracilus but his weird fondness for Thracilus Yeah, is paid off so dramatically in that last scene it's like it's it's beautifully structured storytelling i think
1: it's fantastic there's there's tiberius and thresillis are in two scenes in this episode right right and yet their their relationship so feels like it so dominates because those scenes are so good and because and so memorable uh and i don't and it helps that they're off on their own so that like when it's their scenes it's just the two of them sitting in that tiny room that has like stone stone benches that they can just lie on but in uh, that little horoscope desk yep. that they work at yep and uh after it's still the whole place looks like cardboard and looks like it's indoors but this episode has a lot of outdoor scenes mm-hmm. so at least you get to see like blue backdrops and it's fewer of the dim dark chambers of the last episode uh but like that scene where augustus accuses all of julia's men is really Fantastic. And there's a lot. And, and that is mirrored by him talking about marriage with the Knights of Rome. There's a lot of good symmetry yeah. in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the next episode is, what shall we do about Claudius? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. What what shall they do about it? I'm excited to find out, though. Well, before we wrap it up,
0: let me give you, uh, we have some dispatches from the Empire. Uh, people have written in to share their own <laughs> traumatic, experience, or traumatic or pleasant experiences watching I, Claudius from either childhood or, 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 or later in their life. We have just one letter here today from Leah. She said, Dear Elliot and John, I wanted to write in for my vacation in Spain with what is probably a very common I Claudius memory, watching it in high school and having a teacher put a manila folder over anything he considered too racy. <laughs> Leah says, she goes on to say, It happened to me too during Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet and the old version of The Handmaid's Tale. Just- oh, wow.
1: Well. The 80s one. Okay. Yeah. Just think about all,
0: all the literature teachers right. who know the exact timestamps stamps of anything vaguely naughty in that miniseries. <laughs> Signed, thanks to Leah. I think that's a stop. The idea that we would have watched I, Cla- maybe at Brookline High School, I, Claudius might... I mean, there's, nu- there's nudity.
1: There's... It is so tawdry. It is like, so Like it's such tawdry. a tawdry thing to watch. And like we, it is a. I'll just say it. Look, I know teachers' jobs are hard. It's a little bit of a of an abdication when you watch a movie or miniseries in class, even though everybody loves it, because it's like day after day of not really learning. But uh, to watch I Claudius is like such a. And we watched plenty of movies in class when I was when I was growing up. Sure. It, it, what she, what she's describing reminds me of when uh in my government and politics class in high school. Uh, the teacher was out and had told the substitute to show us Roger and me and about 10 minutes in the substitute took the tape out of the VCR and said the movie was un-American and he would not show the rest of it to us and we, wow. so it was just a study hall for the rest of the class <laughs> but uh the but like I Claudius is is yeah it's racy stuff to show in class that's crazy
0: hey if you have a memory of I Claudius either watching it as a little kid by stumbling into it while your parents were watching it or watching it later as an adult if you've read the book, if you know anything about Rome, or if you ever watched a weird movie in high school and have a story about it, <laughs> a movie you should not have been shown, <laughs> r- write, write to me. I'll, I field the emails for this one, Hodgman at MaximumFun.org.
1: For now, this episode of iPodius has been a production of Maximus Fun. Our producer... Jordan Cowling, our senior producer, Laura Swisher. And if you happen to be watching iClaudius as you listen to the podcast, please share your thoughts and reactions with us. You can get to him at, at Hodgman on Twitter and at John Hodgman on Instagram. And you can get to me at, at Elliot Kalin on Twitter. Thank you for listening.
0: Uh, that's it. Let's wrap up this episode and put it in a trunk to be discovered nineteen hundred years from now by future historians. Next time, as Elliot says, we will be watching I Claudius episode I, I, I. What shall we do about Claudius? Good question. For now, goodbye from I John Hodgman. Goodbye from I Elliot Kalin. We are we are co heirs. We're co heirs to this podcast,
1: which uh, only one of us may live. <laughs> oh no. Well, I guess we'll we'll talk more about that later. We'll talk more later
0: dira a da dee da, dee da, dee da, da. maximusfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported